Life has a funny way of happening in ways that you just never would have expected. And this podcast is one of those things. It was January of 2017. I had been home for about a month since graduating from my undergraduate program in wildlife biology, and I was a stay-at-home dad, in part because, well, I was looking for a job and there's not a whole lot hiring for wildlife in the winter, and also we couldn't really afford daycare. Actually, my son, who at the time was about nine months old, had spent the last two or three months going to lectures with me as I finished my program. I'm talking wildlife populations class, wildlife management, you know, a couple of different things, and my on-campus job. Anyway, I had gone from being really involved in multiple different campus things, running a student organization, busy with classes, and then suddenly I didn't have a whole lot to do. I was kind of stir-crazy. I had done a little bit of writing with a platform called The Odyssey, and I was also helping with the March for Science. I was a little bit involved in the national level and doing some work helping with the organization, one of uh, the organization of the one here in Minnesota. But even with those couple of things and looking for a job and being at home with my very, very young son, I, I needed an outlet. I needed something creative to do. And I had the idea for a long time of starting a blog related to animals or wildlife or science or sustainability. And that had been a lot of the things I had been writing about with the Odyssey. So I thought, you know what, let me start my own blog and um, just, you know, see what I can do with it. So I started writing about sustainability and sustainable living. I partnered with a company called Jewelbug, using some of their data to help inspire some of my posts. And then I had the idea of, well, let's start writing about like nature and science more generally. So originally I was going to do a video series. One of them, the very first one was a history of life on earth. And I did a part one and I did a part two, and then they were never seen again. (laughs) But at some point I had the idea of, well, what if I reach out to scientists? I do interviews, I make some videos, you know, exploring just interesting questions about nature. And the very first one that came to mind was the mystery of zebra stripes. I did some digging, I found some recent research, and it led me to Dr. Tim Caro of UC Davis. I was amazed by his work, by his dedication, and by his unique methodologies for testing his ideas. So of course, I reached out. Honestly, I did not expect to hear back, but he was pretty quick to reply. Now, you have to understand, I had never done any kind of interviews before. I really didn't know what to do, what to expect. I generated an outline of questions, I sent it over, and everything seemed kind of fine. We were all set to do the interview over Skype, but then I had internet issues, and my webcam stopped working. So I, of course, start panicking. I'm like, I don't want to cancel. I don't want to reschedule. I, that, that's just going to be embarrassing. I don't know why it was going to be embarrassing, but it was going to be embarrassing. I just wanted to do it the right way. You know, I was worried, I guess, that if I rescheduled that he was going to say no or that he couldn't do it at another time. And so the only thing I could come up with was downloading Google Voice. Um, so that way I could record the conversation, the audio of the conversation. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to use the audio because the video is not going to be an option. And that is what you are about to hear. The last minute panicked recording interview that I did with Dr. Tim Caro about the mystery of zebra stripes and his work to solve that mystery. And believe it or not, I edited the entire thing using iMovie on my phone. I didn't have any software, didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I kind of was able to um, make a really, I, I 
basically I uploaded just a blank image, like a black image. And then I attached the audio file and, um, <laughs> just kind of went from there. I started piecing things around and adding my own voiceover. And I included a couple of the iMovie sound effects and available songs. And that's what led to this roughly 15 minute, very first episode of the wildlife. And it's one that even now I look back at and I still feel proud. I think proud because I know how it was put together and, and I'm proud of how it turned out regardless of that. I also just feel like it being the first episode was really already aligned with the spirit of what the wildlife was going to eventually become and um, what I'm trying to get back to doing. So my name is Devin Boker. You are listening to The Wildlife, The Mystery of Zebra Stripes Revisited. Hi everyone, I'm Devin Boker and this is The Wildlife. Today we travel to Tanzania to answer a question that has plagued scientists at least since the days of Alfred Russell Wallace and Charles Darwin, and probably haven't thought of since you were a kid. It involves stripes, a change of perspective, flies, and one very determined man. The mystery of zebra stripes has been the subject of debate for a pretty long time. It's one of those questions that children have, kind of like, why is the sky blue? Sometimes parents know what to say, sometimes they don't. Most commonly, parents will say something like, oh, it's for camouflage. But thanks to Dr. Caro, we finally have our answer. And the story of how he got it is pretty interesting. Hi, my name's Tim Caro. I'm a professor of wildlife biology at the University of California at Davis. That's him. The first question I had for him was, why study zebras? Well, I've been interested in the functions of animal coloration, uh, specifically in mammals. Which sounds a bit odd, because normally when you think of mammals, you don't really think of exotic colors like lizards and birds. You think of boring colors. Drab grays and browns, not very interesting. Not the most exciting colors. And there are a few notable exceptions, like the giant panda or the giraffe. Or in this case, the zebra. Now when you think of zebras, you think of bold contrasting stripes, the black and white, the black and white. And humans have obviously taken an interest in them. You see them everywhere from awful looking carpets, clothes, um, furniture, pretty much everywhere. So that's how I got interested in uh, looking at uh, zebras in particular. People have been hypothesizing about what purpose zebra stripes served for a pretty long time. Charles Darwin and Alfred Russell Wallace argued about it, and I asked him about how many ideas are there about what they're for. Well, it depends how you categorize them. What does that mean? But there are about uh, eight or nine major hypotheses. Those are the ones like confusion of predators, that sort of uh, answer to confuse predators comes in many different forms. And so you can break these hypotheses down into almost 20 subheadings. And the purpose of the research that I've carried out over the last decade has been to systematically try and chip away at each of these hypotheses. Yes, you heard that right. The scientific method at its best, trial and error over and over. Trial and error, trial and error. 
Over the last decade, every summer he has spent in Tanzania studying each of these different ideas. To see whether they stand up to scrutiny. You see, oftentimes in science, it starts with an observation or an idea that you want to prove either right or wrong. In this case, that wasn't good enough for him. What he wanted to do was to systematically go through each and knock out every single thing that was wrong to narrow it down to what would be correct. So what I've done in this book that came out uh, last month. That's right. I should mention he does have a new book out came out last month, fittingly called Zebra Stripes.